Are you looking for a great way to be a better leader in today's world? Well, look no further. You're here at the Still Loading Podcast, where we explore leadership for the digital age. We collect all the best practices, skills and tips that you'll ever need so you can start being a better leader today. I'm your host, Ilona Brannan, and this is definitely worth listening to. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Still Loading Podcast. Now, this episode, I'm talking to John Burford and Sean Georges, and I think they are brilliant, brilliant people. Now, both of them have been in the military, so they're ex-servicemen, and they're based in the States, and they've written a book called On Mission, which is all about leadership development from their perspective. And what was brilliant when we um, discussed leadership development was they were coming from a perspective, you know, from ex-military, and they're both men, and they're both older than me, and they have a lot of experience in this field. And then I am a woman, I have not been in the military, and I come at things from a very much a digital perspective because that's where my interest lies. And what I loved about it was we had really similar values and perspectives about what the purpose of leadership is. And for me, the key takeaway that I found that um, was really helpful from this podcast was the definition of servant leadership and what it means to be a servant leader. And we go into it in the episode. But what I want you to imagine is you are almost like the person who is underneath, almost like an inverted pyramid, where you're supporting your team to then achieve their best. And the, the opposite of that then is positional leadership, where you have people in a role or responsibility, mainly just because of their title, but not actually because they're serving the needs of their team and empowering them. So I thought that was super valuable to get that distinction. And it really helped it to visualize it in my mind. It's a great conversation. It's got pearls of wisdom all over the place. Check out the Omission book. It's really a good read. It's almost like somebody is having a conversation with you. Highly recommend it and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and I am so delighted to be welcoming two special guests to the Still Loading podcast. They are former Marines, and they've written an amazing book that I've had the pleasure of reading as preparation for this podcast called On Mission. Um, And I'm going to hand it over to both of them to explain first. I'm going to pick John first, because he's the one who just recently uh, has admitted he forgot to feed the dog to his wife. So I'm going to pick him first for this one. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself, John, and your background. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's a, unfortunately, it's a long story. I'm not a young man, but um, I grew up with Sean in the U.S. Midwest, uh, cornfield country, a small farm town, you know, in sports and Boy Scouts and learned about leadership rather early. Joined the Marine Corps and then uh, went in the Marine Corps and kind of at the same time went to college, kind of a long story, ended up getting commissioned as an officer in the Marine Corps, uh, spent 24 years in, in different capacities, reserve, uh, regular, kind of served all over the world, taught at the officer academies a lot in the States when I wasn't overseas. And I retired from the Marine Corps about 20 years ago and became a instructor for the North Carolina Outward Bound School, which has its roots in uh, Wales, uh, Outward Bound uh, Outdoor Education Program was started in the UK. It came, it came to the America, America in the 60s, 
Um, I've been leading wilderness expeditions for them for 20 years. And I also ended up uh, earning my PhD and teaching undergraduate students at a college for about a little over a decade and uh, retired from that two years ago. And about the same time, kind of took my uh, multi-decade conversation with my friend and colleague, Sean Georges, to a new level and uh, started a leadership consulting coaching business and wrote a book. And that's where I plopped down uh, here in Western North Carolina, up in the mountains where I am today. That is my... That is my story. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Thank you, John. And what I love about that is it kind of shows, you know, that passion for experiential learning, which I read about in the book and you use anecdotes from different parts of your um, life. Like I remember there was a anecdote about the college. I wrote this, um, I wrote it down actually about the college and about the person using the first person and the third person. So they were so to give you to give the listeners a sense of what was going on. Basically, there was a meeting, and the meet and the guy running the meeting, the head honcho of this uh, college, he was basically saying, you know, everything in the third person. So it lost that connection and building the building the team and building that camaraderie and that place together. So when I read that anecdote, I just realised the importance of using language effectively and meaningfully to create that sense of community and belonging. And as you say, being on mission together. Yeah, the the semantical fupa was slight, but the moral and motivational impact on his team was, Mm -hmm. was acute. It really caught me off guard. I had not heard a leader speak of his team in the third person. I mean, he talked about the institution, the trustees, the student body the faculty, the staff. Uh, and then we, we got a new leader, a new new college president, and it was all about us and we and our mm-hmm. faculty and our staff and our school and our students. And um, again, it was a semantical foopaw, but but it really made a what I saw as a really tangible difference on yeah. how the team responded, for yeah. sure. And I think for me, like, because obviously I've always got this digital leadership lens on, it made me realize this is something that we probably need to cultivate more in the way that we communicate if we're working in a remote context to just making sure that those nuances are really clear. We, our, you know, we belong as a team, our objectives, our KPIs, whatever it is, because like you said, you saw it in real life. And then the, the physical implications that I had, you know, everyone was demotivated, not really involved, et cetera. If you are remote, I imagine it's even more important to be intentional with your language. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Sean, it's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn to introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, when when we tell our, our stories, there, there's so much uh, of it that we shared together that uh you know I'm, I'm envisioning uh you know my childhood spent with with john and and then high school football and and you know our experiences in the small town and uh it's really interesting how it all shaped up and and john and i ended up you know separate kind of paths but uh pursuing a commission in the marine corps after i uh, graduated from the naval academy and and then John and I both actually uh, spent some time together uh, walking the halls and the and the fields and 
of Quantico, Virginia in uh, officer training. But yeah, my, we, we took a, a bit of a different path after that. Uh, I ended up spending 13 years in the Marine Corps. Uh, the largest portion of it was as a judge advocate. Uh, they sent me to law school and, and so I was a military lawyer while I was in the Marines. And, um, you know, fortunate thing about the military is you get to leave, uh, leave your home and go see uh, some, some pretty interesting parts of the world. So mm-hmm. those were some great experiences. Uh, but it was, you know, the, the Annapolis plus the Marine Corps experience was just a master class in really the essence of, of leading uh, and following both very important things for a leader to understand. We'll, we might dive into that a little bit more. But after I left the Marine Corps, uh, came back out into the civilian world, uh, returned to the Midwest uh, as, as a lawyer practicing law, uh, then, then entered, entered a publicly traded corporation, a retailer, as their general counsel and uh, head of human resources. So did that for 22 years. Uh, it was another opportunity to sort of refine and question and clarify what it means to lead regardless of the mission. So whether the mission is military or civilian, whether you're selling shoes uh, to to families in America or whether you've got a, a combat mission, you know, what does it mean to lead? What does it mean to lead uh, at home in the community? So, yeah, as John mentioned, he and I corresponded, of course, over the years post-military and and kind of felt that we had something to offer, uh, some, some maybe we could uh, light, light a candle in the darkness, if you will. And so we, we got about writing this book. Uh, we spent about 10 years working on this book. We both had day jobs at the same time. <laughs> I want to make sure that that's clear. But we're proud of what we created, really tried to get to the essence of it. I recently, just last October, retired from uh, corporate America. And uh, now John and I are, are at work uh, trying to, you know, teach, coach, and and spread what we think is really some, not necessarily our wisdom, but timeless wisdom that we've confirmed uh, about what it, how you become a leader, uh, which I think is an important aspect. You know, we often talk about leadership like it's some kind of topic and and technical uh, science, but it's a very human mm-hmm. part of who we are as we engage in the world. So, and then we get to have great opportunities like this, speaking to people like yeah, you. Well, thank you. <laughs> One of the things I think for me when I was reading the book, it's funny because like, obviously you're both former Marines, right? You've had a lot of experience in America. And so I was a bit like, oh, is this going to be like one of those books where it's just sort of telling me what I need to do? And I think one of the things I really loved about it is that there is so much love and care. You really, it it comes through in your writing. Like you really have thought about, as you said, all the different aspects where leadership comes in, because it's not just about the military thing. It's it's a, a way of being. If you're a leader, you're a, you're being a leader. It's not like a title or, you know, and I, I love that. And the fact that you use the word love and it's very much part of that whole servant leadership, authentic leadership paradigm that you're championing in your book. I just thought that was very 
interesting as a reflection on me, right? Shows my sort of limitations in my head about <laughs> former Marines, I suppose. But I just think that was fantastic. And I think, you know, that's one of the things I would strongly advise and encourage people to read about it. It, it felt like I was sitting down having a really nice cup of tea with you when you were chatting to me, giving me your anecdotes and also activities. This book is a very practical book that will help you. Like it's not just theory it's going to help you get to the next stage of your own development so i just kind of was reflecting on that good I'm glad, I'm glad that we 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 really uh we we talked about our voice uh n- not our physical voices but yes. but the the voice of the book early on i remember uh and and we we both sort of decided that we wanted it to be uh, as if and as though we were sort of there with you and 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 telling you stories and and clarifying you know some core concepts, keeping it simple, keeping it practical, uh, and um, I'm glad that came across to you. That's nice. Thank you. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I do love the practical aspects of it. Um, and it's clearly signposted. And I also have to say, like the language is very clear. You know, sometimes when you read some leadership books, you're like, I think I need my thesaurus to work out what you're trying to say to me. But it's really clear and I can read it and feel like I was getting what I needed to get out of it as I was reading it. So absolutely. But let's have a let's start with a little bit more in the deeper dive on this authentic leadership. So this is the main thing of the book. Would you which one of you would like to tackle the explaining a little bit more about it? No, I, I think we we landed on the idea of authenticity as a as a core concept, first of all, because authentic means real. Uh, you know, it's it's the we we really challenge and one of the reasons why it took us a decade uh was we really challenged one another and ourselves to get to the heart of the matter. I think authenticity works on a couple of levels. One, we're talking about real leadership. We're not talking about management. You manage things, processes, resources. You manage those things. People, you have an opportunity and a responsibility for leadership. And not only are we trying to get at, okay, what's real about leadership and what's real about the becoming process, but but also uh, what we observed in the course of our, you know, it seems like we've lived several lives, uh, John and I, both military, civilian, academic, you know, experiential, uh, outdoor leadership, me in the business world. Uh, we, so we've had these different experiences And what we observed in both ourselves when we were at our best as leaders, but also leaders that led in an authentic way, is that they were authentic. They were not focused on appearances, posturing, puffery. It wasn't about title and rank and, you know, how how do you like me so far, right? (laughs) It, It was... They and and when you observe them in different situations, you saw the same person dealing with people of different, you know, station and rank and responsibility. They were they were coming from the same place. And that is what is compelling about a real leader, about an authentic leader. They they are real, they are authentic. And what they're doing is they're engaging with you as another fellow human being with dignity and respect. And it is compelling. That's 
that's what I think moves people is uh, when you get into this relationship, this, and John and I talk a lot about, you know, leadership is, is a relationship and uh, it is, it is about that. It is not about manipulation. It's not about carrots and sticks to get people to move and operate in a certain way. It is about a clear mission uh, that you share with them. And you are leading from a servant's position, looking up, you are serving them in the direction of that mission. Uh, and through your relationship, that's when you can have this profound impact on another human being or a team. And uh, so we really worked hard to stay centered on that. Mm, no, I remember the exercise. So if people can imagine in their heads, you know, like a typical org chart where it's a, almost like a pyramid to the top, what um, John and Sean get you to do in the book is actually flip it round and put you at the bottom and then your team upwards. So think of it more like a pizza slice. And actually you start to see then how can you support your team above you and the, to then get to the mission, which is at the top of that triangle. So just to kind of help people conceptualize that. Cause I thought that was a really great exercise to really think about what can I do differently as a servant leader? Cause it's a very nice term, but sure. really the practical bones of like how to do it is really helpful because I don't think enough people sort of say what that really means. Um, so to be able to do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about what leaders have influenced you in your journey. Cause I mean, we've got, 80 plus, no offense, I'm, not, I'm sorry to out your uh, <laughs> experience and wisdom, but it says in the okay. book on the title. So, <laughs> but 80 plus years of combined uh, wisdom in the book, right? So who are some leaders that inspired you on a personal level? Boy, there's, there's been so many and all. When you asked that, one came to mind uh, right away. And um, when I was a, uh, a young captain, which, uh, you know, in business parlance, I guess that's, you know, mid-level manager. My battalion commander, who was, you know, kind of the CEO of, you know, almost a thousand people in the military, you know, when you change command, when the commander leaves, a new one comes in, there's very much, uh, same in the UK as in the US, you know, very much uh, a lot of customs and traditions that go along with that. Pomp and circumstance, et cetera, where the, the troops will march by and and the band plays and all this. And, and this, this particular person who was my commander, we, we served together overseas. I respect it greatly. He was, he was tough, hard, a demanding individual, but, but he, everything he did was to make me better and to make his Marines better. And I will never forget when he changed command, when he turned his command of his Marines over and they marched by, I saw this man visibly weep. It was one of those, I, okay, I get it now moments. Um, Sean and I, in our, in our book, and our conversations with our clients, speak about uh, hands, head, and heart. Um, there are certain behaviors and principles that you follow to act like and be like and perform as a leader. There's certain things you need to, your hands, right? What you say, what you do. There's certain things that you know um, you need to know about certain things. You have to have a certain knowledge base. But the trifecta, what makes it a trifecta is that heart piece, right? Which really, I think, goes to motive. Like what motivates you to leave? What motivates you to serve other people? Although there's been many, and just by not mentioning some, I, I feel inadequate. But 
that particular man really showed me, and I was probably 30 years old at a point in my life where I was just trying to wrap my heads around what it means to lead, really impacted me as much or more than anybody else. It's okay, I get it. This is more about what you do and what you say. It's more about being the smartest in the room or or knowing more than other people. It's really about your perspective and your your service orientation towards your followers. And and to use the the L word, you know, love, um, you know, maybe a little bit awkward in in some instances, but but Sean and I, I, I know I speak for Sean. We we firmly believe that love is required in a leader follower relationship, and and he taught me that just by seeing those tears well up in his eyes. So he he was probably the, the my biggest influence of of all the wonderful leaders that I've served with over the years. Yeah, I think it's really interesting you say that because earlier today. I was uh, on a writing sort of panel thing. And one of the things that came up was uh, this quote that I really thought was useful for leadership, but it was attention is connection. And I thought, actually, it's the fact that you could see he was attentive to you. He cared for you. It made you connect with him in a way you knew that that meant something. And for me, that got me thinking about, again, digital technology, where we're all distracted, actually giving someone your full attention is probably giving you know you the best opportunity to connect especially online and remotely but i just think that's probably in a deficit right now that's why we're all kind of struggling a bit yeah, yeah absolutely i think that's a great I, I i love the fact that you're bringing that question up and you're bringing that consciousness to our forefront because the requirement to make human connections with people hasn't changed. No, that won't uh, change. But, but, I agree with you. But the environment, the environment's changed, and, and we have to acknowledge that the environment's changed. And so, you know, how do you do that? That that's the question that we need to we need to sort out and we need to deal with. Uh, we can't just say, well, things are just different, so we don't we don't make authentic connections with people anymore because we're on Zoom, right? That, that's that's unacceptable. Uh, we yeah. need to figure out ways to do that. Absolutely. Sure. And Sean, who's the leader that's inspired yeah. you? That, that's a it's a great question. And and of course there have been there have been many. I you know, I, I think back to somebody who just profoundly impacted me at uh while I was early in my development. It was my freshman year, plebe, we called them plebes. We were called plebes at uh, the Naval Academy. And, and I remember we had a, the opportunity to meet with uh, an admiral. His name was Admiral Lawrence. So he was the top position at the Naval Academy. He was an admiral. I mean, those bars that he wore on his shoulders were gold all the way across. <laughs> he had a chest full of ribbons. He was a, a Navy pilot. So he had the gold wings. It, he was impressive in any way, in every way, but that's not where he came from. He he didn't step forward and say, hey, how do you like me so far? Aren't you impressed with? He was one of the most humble people I think I have ever encountered. He was he had been a prisoner of war in, in Vietnam for five or six years, one of the longest uh, serving POWs in Vietnam. But when he engaged with us, it was remarkable. I had never up to that point in my life. So I would have been about you know 19 years old, 18, 19. And here was this impressive individual. But all he wanted to know was how we were doing. 
How are you doing, Sean? How has your experience been so far? You know, do you have everything you need? Are you, you know, what are you learning? It was his focus, his entire, his energy, his attention. I love that, uh, which he was very deliberate about, but it was very natural. He was very unassuming and I had never seen anything quite like that. And I remember that sense after leaving that meeting, thinking there is something, something just happened there. And he's doing, he is something. He wasn't sort of being manipulative and, and um, you know, he wasn't barking out orders and he, he outranked everybody in that, uh, you know, on the premises, but he didn't come from that place. He came from a place of how are you doing? He wanted to hear our stories, you know, these, these young, uh, hopefully, officers-to-be uh, and wanted to know where we were from and, you know, wh- why the Naval Academy. And, and it was just a, a powerful example that really set me on a, on a path to trying to figure out what that thing was that, that he was doing and who he was. And uh, his level of commitment, of course, was, was unquestioned, his, the sacrifices he had made. But that was a real, because you also, at the same time, right, at a, at a place like that, you also have the other examples. You've got the people who are yelling and screaming. You've got the people who are trying to impress you with whatever or their physical abilities or their intellectual capabilities or whatever. But what? But I began to figure out what moved me and the quiet and, and the, the heart of this man and, and the way he handled himself was just compelling. And so that, that was probably the one that uh, was one of those early real triggers. Yeah. So between the two of you, it sounds like it's really that, it really is that heartfelt connection. I think it's that heartfelt connection and that authenticity. And so if we bring it back around slightly to the authentic um, question from the book, there was a lovely story, Sean, that you shared about being held accountable by your stepson. And I loved it because it. I think <laughs> authenticity is a funny one because we know we need to be authentic, but it can be quite hard to be authentic. And sometimes you need to have maybe questions or reflections to kind of build this capability in. And I love the fact with the accountability, you're almost modeling to your stepson, like a, a way to think or reflect as well to develop that authenticity. Would you like to share the story? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is about, uh, in order to kind of stay on the path and continue to develop, I think it's important to have someone to hold you accountable. Uh, yeah, we were playing pitch and catch in the backyard, and uh, I, I just, you know, kind of keeping the conversation. He was 10 years old at the time. And so I said, yeah, I've, I've got to go do my one hard thing today. And he said, what? And I said, well, every day I try to do one hard thing. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, I try to do something every day that that is difficult. Maybe it's a conversation I need to have with someone. Maybe it's a workout and, and I'm tired and I'd rather skip it. 
maybe it's a, an, a you know a response job responsibility that I've, I know I've got to get done. I'm just going to force myself to do it. But every day I, I try to do that um, something. Uh, so today I'm going to go for a bike ride or whatever. And so I figured, you know, with a 10 year old that uh, he's probably going to forget that as soon as I, the words came out of my mouth. Well, so the next day I go to work, it was a work day the next day, come home and I see him. And the first thing he asks me is, what was your one hard thing today? And I said, oh my gosh, thank you for asking. Uh, you know, I had a conversation with uh, one of my teammates at work that I knew was going to be difficult. And I, I probably would have put it off had I not sort of gotten on this one hard thing uh, path. And, he, you know, we talked about it a little bit. And, and then the next day, you know, went to work, <laughs> came home, there he is. What was your one hard thing today? And, and this went on uh, for weeks. And it got to the point where, because I knew he was going to ask, by gosh, I needed to do that one hard that I was going to have to report, right? It was good. But, but I love that. You know, it's accountability. And, and it kind of reminds, makes me think of, you know, as you grow and continue to learn how to lead, it's, it's a helpful thing not to just do it on your own. Find someone that cares about you, right, that, that has your best interests in mind. Uh, reach out and say, hey, I'd like you to hold me accountable on whatever, whether it's a, you know, on, on how I do A, B, or C, or maybe in this way. Would you, would you mind doing that? Uh, it kind of keeps you on the straight and narrow and keeps you moving in that direction, uh, so that was a powerful and just kind of a simple story. Uh, yeah, we, he and I still talk about it. He doesn't always ask, but we <laughs> talk about that that incident, uh, that that situation. Yeah, and I, I loved it because it's such a simple thing. Because actually, if you kind of make it a little game with yourself to do that right. one hard thing, you're going to push yourself outside your comfort zone. And I actually did a hard thing today because I read really? that in the book, and I was like, "Yeah, I did my one hard thing today, so I'm fine." <laughs> So I was I was chuffed with that. But yeah, I just thought that was cute. And I, I really do think it's important for accountability. I agree. You'll excel. It's, it's kind of a bit like you two, right? Because you two have been able to hold each other accountable, John and Sean, you've been able to achieve this great book and be able to write this and do this labor of love and actually build the consultancy. But you both hold each other accountable so you can get more you know, of your own authentic leadership development, because it's never done. I think this is, no. that's why I called the podcast Still Loading, because yeah. you're never, you're never okay. done. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. all, it's all part of, it's all part of the process. No, I love, um, love that. Yeah. You know, one, one of the things I wanted to say to you and reminded me of something when, when John and I were about to wrap up the book, when we were about to put down our pens, and this was kind of during the COVID you know, uh, as as everybody's struggling with yeah. what it's like to operate during those those times, and I, so at the company I was at, we went we went remote, and uh, we were operating remotely out of the office, and and I said to John, I said, uh, you know, do you think we should put something about you know sort of remote 
leading in a remote environment. And and I'll never forget what he told me. There was this moment of silence. John, John is a very uh, uh, kind, of, kind of a stoic and thoughtful person. There was this moment. And then he asked me this question uh, as far as leading in, in these times. He said, Sean, what's the difference? Hmm. And I loved his, and again, getting back to authenticity. Now, the methods you may use and the, you know, the, the sort of the tactics you use uh, to communicate and to reach out and engage with the people around you will change over time. You'll have more, you know, we can do a Zoom now, but the fundamentals do not change. And I love, he made such a, with that simple question, made such a strong point that leading authentically is, has a heart and a soul uh, and substance. Now, how you do it varies by mission, circumstances, et cetera. But I thought that was a real, uh, real great moment. Yeah, no, I, I, can, I can understand that completely. Because with me, my interest is in how the digital technology sort of influences human behavior. But ultimately, it is about human behavior being like the best leader you can be. The tools will change. As you say, the methods of communication will change. But you being a good human and a good leader to someone, then that's that's something that you can develop and, and uh, engage with. And I think as well, it would vary, as you say, according to the mission and according to what you need to achieve together, right? There's just going to be different requirements. Do you want to know where you are on your leadership development journey? Well, here at the Still Loading podcast, we have combined the best insights and expertise from our guests and the best practices and tips and tools that we use with our clients today and created a free resource for you, the Wheel of Digital Leadership Life, so that you can assess where you are today and where you need to get to in order to be a great leader for the digital age. The link is in the description box below where you can get your hands on it. And also, please do like and subscribe and share this podcast with people that you think would really benefit from it. It helps us to find more people and to help more people become leaders fit for the digital age. Thanks. And I think there was one part of the book that I like put in a bookmark and I'm going to read some of it because I then told my friend about it. Because I work with a lot of startups and a lot of remote first companies and scale-ups. What I've noticed in some scale-ups, not thankfully my clients, but I've seen this happen, where it's definitely this positional leadership. So someone is a leader because they are the founder or because they're CEO, and that's that. I'll read this bit from the book because I thought it was brilliant. So when a positional leader, a person who holds a title, rank, or place of authority an entirely separate matter from whether they are leading, operates as the sole source of leadership within a team, many problems arise, all of which can adversely impact the performance of the individuals on the team. And what you talk about in the rest of that chapter is you talk about how if you're a positional leader, everybody underneath you is then almost trying to guess what you want or just trying to replicate what it is that you're sort of telling them rather than being empowered and being able to problem solve and be able to actually find a solution that is greater because you're using the whole, um, you know, the whole power of the team. And I have seen this in scale-ups and where they aren't succeeding is when one person at the top has said, this is the way, this must be done this way. This is my organization or this is the way I see it happening. And so you're disempowering a whole group of people from being able to accelerate to the next level. And I thought that's a fantastic way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah, you know, the 
Sean and I talk probably throughout the book to one degree or another about this notion of leadership isn't about rank or title or position. But, you know, we're, we're all military guys and we understand the critical need for positional leaders, like for authority and how authority can be a leverage in an organization. But what we really, what we really kind of came to, what we really grounded on is that it's so important that we don't stop there, that the leadership, leadership is a, it's a verb. It's, it's something you do. It's a serve. It's not a, it's not, it's not something you impose upon other people. It's a service to other people. And it may be a, you know, common term now, many people before us have talked about leaderful organizations, right? Leadership is everywhere. And if there's one thing we would like to, uh, many that we would like to encourage people, uh, we, we have this uh, 10 or 11 commitments we present at the end of the book, They're kind of core commitments. And, and one of the first ones, if not the first one, is define yourself as a leader. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you're paid. It doesn't matter where you are in the org chart. But define yourself as a leader. When I used to teach undergraduate students, I, I got a lot of pushback because there was this notion that if I define myself as a leader, isn't that a little bit self-serving? Isn't it that putting myself on a pedestal? And I had to convince them that leadership is not an imposition. It's it's not something, it's not a title that gives you license to do things to other people. It is, it is no more than defining yourself as a person who serves other other people in alignment with the mission. And so if 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 we if we can get people, everyone, as many people in an organization as possible on a team, to think of leadership as a service, as a set of behaviors and responsibilities they do with and for other people, that takes some of the burden off, right? The back it, it lightens the backpack, it lightens the load a little bit on being a leader. You don't necessarily have all the authority, all the responsibility. It's just a matter of helping move others to accomplish the mission. So that's a that's a really important piece to to really recognize and embrace. Is 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 it's okay to be a leader, to define yourself as a leader, to to try to move other people in line with the mission, and you don't need a title or a position to do that. One of the things John and I uh, talk about in the book is. Uh, when you fail or make the decision not to step into your life as a mm. person with leadership responsibilities, you leave a, a hole, a vacuum that nobody else can fill. Uh, it, it, you just do. So, so you're already at a loss. And, and one of the things that we've seen is the best teams that we've, we've been on ever, there were leaders all around. Uh, because sometimes, regardless of my title or rank, I'm going to be following John's lead, or John's going to be taking, uh, you know, taking an initiative or setting an example, or in this area. And maybe I need to lead in another area, or maybe he, I need to follow or be a good teammate. I mean, it's a very the reality, and and we also write that leadership does not work the way an org chart looks. Mm-hmm. It, it it's a it's a dynamic you know every organization every family every team every 
you know, it's a it's a living, breathing. You're dealing with challenges and and opportunities that are happening at various levels. So when you have people that have are are ready, willing, capable of stepping into a leadership role, you are so much more effective. You can move on on multiple fronts, still aligned with the mission. It's not chaos. So one of the points is that control, which is a topic often kind of discussed when you talk about leadership management. Well, control is a management consideration. Managers try to manage. They try to control. They try to, you know, what they're they're trying to get the variables down and and uh, you know, measure all the things and all of that whereas uh, leadership is not about controlling another human being. It's about serving another human being so that they can bring their intellect, their insights, their creativity, their physical strength. If you are leading from the top in in that sort of autocratic way, you, your limitations, and doesn't matter how, whether you went to, you know, Harvard or, or uh, uh, Cambridge or where you went to school, uh, that is the limit. Physical strength of vision, of, uh, you know, creativity, uh, understanding of the facts is the limit. And why not move past that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And I, I think as well, one thing for me that I really, you know, I was kind of back nodding furiously when I was reading was you acknowledge that there's a big gap at the moment with leadership like in general in society. And I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's the world has got a little more. I mean, I think the world has always been complex. I think it's just maybe a quicker rate of change. Um, mm. And so potentially maybe there's a bit more uh, nuances that we didn't have before, like in terms of the digital tools or the digital communications, et cetera. But the world's always been pretty complex, but I think the rate of change is definitely um, accelerated. What can you see at the moment that kind of trends in leadership development that you see with the clients that you're working with or even in the fields that I know that you, you're still close to? I think this may speak, uh, and Sean, you can build on this because I know you have an important angle on this too, but part of the work that you're, you're doing, I think, is, is really important. This kind of how, to, how this in this technological age how this works. There's a little quip we use, and I don't know if it's if, if it's us, but uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. I think building those relationships, and, and we talk about this from the beginning of the book all the way through, leadership is about relationships, and you have to nurture those relationships, and you have to spend some time on those relationships. Uh, there's another kind of thought leader in, leader in the leadership space that talks about when one is dating their life partner, like trying to work out to marriage, you don't expect someone to say yes on the first date, right? It starts with an outing and then it, it builds and it builds and builds to a point where, you know, somewhere between you know six and 18 months that you could actually say, hey, would you like to spend the rest of your life with me? And, and I think leadership in developing relationships is the same way. We have to nurture and spend time with people to develop those relationships. We can't expect people to respond, as Sean said, just to orders. You know, many times we see organizations that everybody is doing exactly as they're told, no more, no less. And that's a real problem. 
We need authentic relationships that are built over time with care and concern and uh, with everything, as you mentioned, it's going so fast as it is. And we have the ability to reach out through an email or through Zoom and communicate. Uh, I think sometimes that, that, that long-term development gets left in the dust somewhere. And so I think that's something we really need to pay attention to. How do we develop those, those authentic relationships over time, deep relationships where trust, mutual trust is established? And, and you can't, you can't, there are no hacks. Uh, there are no sort of shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no. you know, we are, right? We are still humans being. You're We're, still loading, you there, see? <laughs> exactly, out there in the world. And and I think when we lose sight of that, you know, there's this been, there's been this, like, uh, seems like every article you look at on the HR side is about this this thing called quiet quitting, which is which is really interesting. First of all, I think the term is kind of silly and ridiculous. But uh, but having said that, so the idea is that there's this huge increase of people who are disengaged in organizations. They're not committed. They're not focused on mission. They're not bringing their best stuff. They're not engaged somehow. Well, how does that happen? That is a direct in direct relationship, there's a direct correlation to the failure of leadership and the lack of leadership. Why should people be engaged in enriching, you know, the CEO or the senior executive team if they are not being uh, uh, dealt with uh, with respect and dignity, if they are not being invested in, if they are not growing their skill set and, and maturing as a professional or whatever that may be? To me, that whole thing is and sort of the crumbling of, of a team or of an organization uh, comes from uh, the failure of people in leadership positions to actually lead, to engage in that way, to engage from, like John said, uh, it all lines up, right? Integrity is about is that everything is is lined. It's uh, in alignment. So your your actions, your thoughts, your your uh, your focus, your attention has has got to be aligned with your people in you know in in alignment with the. Uh, your shared mission. And it's the failure of, of people to step up to their leadership responsibilities that are making these organizations crumble and ultimately people to sort of just, you know, kind of disappear and, and walk away uh, uh, whenever a, a, you know, a tough wind blows. Uh, so that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I, again, I think that that is a direct relate in direct relationship to people not stepping into their lives as authentic leaders. Yeah. And I think from a digital perspective, it's definitely exacerbated with, you know, if you're working predominantly remotely or hybridly, you're not building those strong forms of connections necessarily. Like you can, you can, you can absolutely can, but right. it has to be intentional. You have to design, you have to be intentional with it. It has to be like, it's not just enough in the office, you were all in a closed space. So you'd kind of meet each other and have the side conversations and after, uh, after meeting coffees and stuff. And it is that intentionality. And I think also people can hide behind their laptops so this quiet quitting thing, you know, you can you can see it. You're sitting at home on your own. You've got no real connection to your your team. You don't have the leadership 
in the organization and the culture that is coming from leadership to facilitate that because some some companies are doing amazing things with their remote culture so it's not about whether it's possible or not it's possible that's been proven it's more it has to be intentionally designed and invested in um and i think that is a huge a huge opportunity i think for the world as we kind of go into this very much a digital working world um, and so forth so we're nearly we're going to be coming towards the end rapidly towards the end of our, our hour together which is insane but um firstly i mean i loved the book so anybody who is uh listening please go and buy a book it is really great it's practical and it just it's really nice it's conversational it's not going to make you feel like an idiot i think some leadership development books can make you feel like oh, i haven't done enough i don't know what i'm doing this was great this felt like i really had a cheerleader next to me and a coach who was helping me get to the next level and the concepts are really well explained um and it's just it was very pleasurable to read so that's my first point on that <laughs> and then secondly what are your top tips for leaders uh for the digital age now you're going to get one each and then one bonus one each because normally we have three but because there's two of you we're just going to have like one and a bonus one each <laughs> you know go back to going back to what sean said about how things have changed in the digital age i think um it, the, what i'm going to say i don't think really speaks to that to the degree that you asked the question but i think one of the first things people can do is 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 be intentional um sean and i were blessed to kind of grow up or be tutored in leadership in a very structured environment, which placed a high value on leadership, which recognized and placed a high value. A lot of places put a high value on leadership. They don't recognize that. Mm, and they don't um, invest as well. I think that's yeah, a big part. You know, when, when you start off as a, as a young, you know, military person, officer, uh, you know, it starts with rote memorization of leadership principles and, and, and we had to memorize those. And but then you were put in leadership, mock leadership positions, and you were evaluated on how well you led. And you know, one of the one of the the, the primary message we got is you may be a, a physical specimen or a mental genius. You may know how to shoot weapons and do all the military things, but if you're not a good leader, you are no use to your unit. And so we were evaluated on on how well we led. And we were given a, a list of books we had to read on our own time. And then we were sent to schools to learn more about leadership. And then you got promoted and you were sent to another school. So one of the questions that we, we wrestled with for a long time is, okay, we have this great experience, but not everybody has that, right? Yeah. If you're a, unless you're on, you know, your higher potential and you're on a fast track in a big corporation, you don't maybe in some law enforcement or some other organizations, you really don't have the opportunity to be groomed and developed as a leader. It's all on you. And particularly if you're a unemployed or a or entrepreneur or a small business owner or own your own business. And so being intentional and going back and defining yourself as a leader is, I think, a really important step you can take. And with technology, with the digital age, there's so many resources out there available, online training, blogs, podcasts like you're doing. So many resources that we didn't have uh, that people can tap into, but but first you have to define yourself as a leader and make an, make a commitment that you want to develop as a leader for all the right reasons. Um, once you do that, 
like, it, you know, if you decide you want to go to, you want to be a doctor, then there's a whole bunch of things you have to go through. You have to get an undergraduate degree, get into med school and, and the same with leadership. Like there's a, there's a series of things you can do. And so I, I would say that's, that's one thing is just being intentional about it is defining yourself as a leader and then asking yourself, what do I need to do through education, training and experience to move myself to move the dial for me to be more effective as a leader. Mm-hmm. Sean? Yeah, uh, just an idea kind of focusing on, you know, how do you lead in 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 a remote world? Yeah, I think it's probably requires more energy, more deliberateness, more discipline to 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 stay engaged with your people. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was General McChrystal who who had the phrase that leadership is really about the discipline of empathy. You can't lose the human touch. And I'm not talking about being all soft and fuzzy and uh, empathy, which is simply making manifest, making clear your concern and your appreciation for what the other person is going through. You know, I know when we we first went remote, uh, the company I was working at, you know, everybody had their laptops and and we would have Zoom meetings and and but one of the things that, that I stressed and I tried to walk the, you know, set the example was that's not going to be the end of it. So I would arrange to have uh, kind of check-ins that would not be even business related. You know, it, it was a, a reach out and maybe it was via Zoom. But uh, so we'd set, set an opportunity or set a schedule and, hey, I, I'd like to, you know, talk to you about how things are going. How's your family? How are, you know, are the kids uh, doing, you know, homeschooling? Everybody was doing that. Um, you know, uh, it's the recognition of the human beings who are at work on this team. What do you need? What can I do more of? What do you need less of? What's making this hard for you? What is frustrating? You know, I need more access to this information or that information or the system doesn't seem to be working, whatever it is. But you've got to continue to check morale. You have to continue to stay engaged. Uh, It doesn't always, it can be the, you know, the check-ins from time to time. How are you doing? What's going on? Or, you know, especially if somebody gets sick, how are they, you know, uh, it's because life continues to unfold. And if you just pull back and just have, you know, okay, now we're just doing, you know, occasional meetings online, or maybe you never see me for another six months or a year, you are not exercising that discipline of empathy and you're not, you've lost the human touch. And I think we have, we have to continue to find ways to, to work at that and to develop that, that human uh, concern and service uh, support. Uh, So it takes a, it can take a lot of work, but uh, if you're leading authentically, you see that as a priority. It's not about, Hey, did you get the report? And, or how come I didn't get this work product from you or whatever? I mean, we've still got work to be, to do, but there's, you got to do the, you've got to stay engaged with the people around you. Yeah, no, I think they're great points. And so we've got being intentional and then we've got discipline of empathy, which I really like. So what's the bonus one? What's the third one? Who's going to take that one? (laughs) 
you know, I'm, I might throw this and I'll give John an opportunity for a bonus. But one of the things we were really clear about and we do, we we are unapologetic about using the L word love. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot lead without love. And uh, again, it's not the HR inappropriate version. It's the you know, it's the it's the I care and you cannot fake it. People know if you're faking it. So if you are serving from that place with love in the direction of a shared mission, there's some emphasis, uh, you are heading in the right direction and you ask yourself a single question when you're trying to figure out what to do in that as, as a leader. You're asking yourself a simple question. What is my best and highest role? to serve this person, my teammate, in the direction of our shared mission, and uh, you work at that answer. Yeah, and bonus prize for anybody who can go back and find the whistle blowing in the middle of <laughs> telling you uh, about love. It was just like, Bing! that was me having an idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. I should have had a light bulb go off. Okay, so final point then, John, you're going to take it for the bonus. What's your final closer? Oh, I just, I guess I'm just building on what Sean said. You know, job descriptions, semi annual performance reviews, KPIs, you know, uh, metrics of success are all vitally important, but that's not where leaders put their effort, right? Leaders put their effort in precisely what Sean was talking about is, is serving, serving their teammates. And so, I would think that uh, although we need to manage our human resources, our systems, and we have to promote people, and we have to hire and fire, and we have to pay people and do all the things that, that you have to do in a big organization, leaders spend their time, the quality of their time elsewhere in engaging with people on a human level. And I, I would say that doing a, a good look in the mirror on where you're spending your time and it just may take more time, right? It doesn't mean you don't pay attention to your management responsibilities, but looking in the mirror and, and asking yourself where you're spending your time and whether that balance is where it needs to be, I think would be a, a, a really good, a really good start. It's difficult to quantify, but it's, it's certainly easy to qualify, right? Like, do you, am I spending my, my time on my people? Or am I spending my time on the systems and processes that are meant to control them? So that would be my going out position. Fantastic. Well, thank you both of you for joining me on the Still Learning Podcast. I, I had a pleasure reading the book. It was great to kind of meet you and get to know you and have my own assumptions challenged about Marines and about how big and lovely they are. So that's been wonderful. <laughs> and how can people get in touch with you? Because you've got the book out on mission, so they can obviously download that um, and buy a copy. Is it out now for release? It is. Uh, it came out August 2nd. It's everywhere books are sold. So, you know, Amazon is the easy place to, to get it. Um, probably the easiest way to contact us, it's easy to remember, is onmissionbook.com. Yep. And through that site, you can contact us directly. You can get our professional website. You can purchase a book, read about the book, read about us. But I would, uh, we are not uh, in an ivory tower, I would encourage folks to contact us. We'd love to talk to people face to face, and but we'd love to talk about leadership. So I would encourage folks to just contact us. So you can get a, get our email off of there, and just send us an email. 
And all the links will be down below in the description box. So you can reach out to Sean and John and ask them all the questions that you have about On Mission and about their leadership perspectives. So thank you both for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it and it wasn't uh, too painful for you. And uh, I hope to see you both again, maybe for On Mission 2. Thank you. Enjoyed it very much. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Still Loading Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the leadership development programs we can offer you, you need to contact Slate Digital. We cater for everyone who needs to have leadership development in their rapidly scaling organizations. We specialize in remote and hybrid leadership, and we can't wait to hear from you. If you've liked the podcast and found it useful, please do share it with your friends, your colleagues, anyone you think who might benefit from being a better leader in the digital age. Bye for now.